Welcome back to another episode of Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And welcome to anybody who is from outside of Sioux Falls and outside of Emmaus Road who might be listening in as well. Glad to have you. My name is Ryan Chase. There's the no way. There's no way those people exist. There's, <laughs> if you're out there, <laughs> raise your hand. Yeah, we Let don't want. You, we want you to feel welcome for the nobody that's out there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, and I'm joined today by Mark Christensen and Matt Grun, and we are. This is our Monday episode. We are in the Book of Exodus, going through Chapter 24, which Greg preached yesterday. I'm going to read chapter 24 so that it's fresh in our minds and uh, talk about the meaning and the significance of this text. So this is God's very word. Then he said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and Hur are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let him go to them. Then Moses went up the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And God, thank you for revealing your glory to us through your written words so that we can know you and behold your glory here as you revealed yourself to Moses and the people of Israel. May we too be affected by this in Jesus name. Amen. I feel like we say this all the time. We get done reading one of these sections in Exodus and we just think what a scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these are incredible scenes. And Greg made a point like that of all of the monumental things that have happened in the book of Exodus, the burning bush, pick any one of the 10 plagues, <laughs> that alone would be a sight to behold, mm-hmm. but pile them all together. The, the Red Sea crossing, Mount Sinai, you know, rumbling and smoking and, and then this. Um, but like Greg said, something about this particular moment really stands out. Everything else has been building up to this. So, mm lot here to observe um 
what stands out to you guys? What do you notice? Yeah, if we think of the book of Exodus so far in these kind of big chunks, um, you know, the first, what is it, 14 chapters, uh, I suppose, would be kind of, you could name the the Exodus itself, mm-hmm. the, the situation in Egypt, God calling Moses, Moses going back to the people, the plagues and so forth, culminating them finally exiting with the Red Sea and, and the Song of Moses in, in Exodus 15 is kind of a turning point. Mm-hmm. Then you have a couple chapters of this like wilderness wanderings and the grumblings and um, and so forth. And some miracles still taking place because God is with them and uh, he's providing for them. And then they get to the mountain and they've been at the mountain since Exodus 19. Um, and so you have this, if you think of them just big chunks, now they're at Sinai, they're, they're receiving the law, they're receiving the book of the covenant, as, as Ryan, you preached mm-hmm. on the other week, and and they're receiving promises from God in Exodus 23, mm-hmm. uh, where, what I preached on. And then now, it's all been kind of leading to this moment, this um, the ceremony, and this is there was a, such a helpful analogy of, of the marriage ceremony that Greg right. introduced it, because it's, that is the best analogy we have for this type of covenantal arrangement, mm-hmm. is, uh, is a marriage ceremony. And Marriages are the way they are because God covenants the way he does. Mm. Um, and so the ceremony, and think of the dating relationship, the engagement, all the planning, the invitations go out, the, the day of, all the different bits and pieces that go to it. All of it is building up to a moment. Mm. Um, this declaration of the, that the pastor speaking for God declares these two people united. Um, and all the symbols and all the imagery and all the songs and all everything that is leading up to that moment. And then after that, it's a celebration. After that, it's table fellowship. After that, it's dancing and, and so forth. And, but the couple that went up the aisle is different now than the couple that comes down the aisle. There's a mm. status change. And there just needs to be a moment where like it changes. It yeah. <laughs> there has to be a, a sharp. It's marked by something. Exactly. And yeah. in the justice system, it's the gavel. That That is what declared. When that thing hits... Mm. Mm. The verdict. The verdict is, is taking place, and now we treat this person either as acquitted or guilty. Because, mm. um, you, you know, in a courtroom, you have all sorts of litigation happening and right. decisions being made, but nothing actually takes effect until the gavel falls. Mm. Um, and that is a moment. And so right here with this just amazing <laughs> scene, mm-hmm. this bloody, gory, beautiful, majestic scene is that moment. Um, mm-hmm. where the people of God have finally united to God in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And then, just in big chunks, what, what's coming after this? Well, chapter 25 now begins, God saying, all right, I'm moving in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, build me a house, build me a tabernacle that my presence, because of this covenantal ceremony, because the blood was shed, where I can now dwell with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's for me, at least, when I get into the weeds of like, what the heck is going on in this scene? It's helpful to kind of scale back and see how did we get here? What's happening? And then what's going to be happening after this? Um, just kind of get my bearings and, and recognize and be able to, Oh, Oh, Exodus has been preparing, giving me hangers to hang these ideas on. Yeah. And now we can really marvel in it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I think we, when we read scripture, we can become numb to, to points like this where God speaks to Moses and Moses hears what he says, and God says, "Come up, um, come meet with me." Um, so you know, you know, this something significant is going to happen. Like Matt said, uh, this marriage ceremony uh, is going to be um, commencing, 
And then you have these two verses here later on in verse three and then later in verse, um, what is it? Verse seven, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, we will be obedient. Mm. Um, so the people are agreeing to what's happening here, what God has set rolling mm-hmm. with the people. Yeah. yeah, Mark, as you were saying there, like geography's just played such a huge role, this whole mm-hmm. book. Um, and not just like geography on a map, but just locations, right? Mm-hmm. So they're in the wrong land at the beginning, so God's bringing them out. But he's not just bringing them out, he's bringing them to a promised land, but more specifically to himself. And just this movement of people highlights that we there are lessons to be learned in the details of well Moses was down here with the people he comes up right. God comes yeah. down on the mountain and just mm-hmm. this whole location this locative movement of everything is is really there's 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 lessons to be learned there of that stuff matters to God it's mm-hmm. not just this you know escape escapism in the mind into some other dimension but God's the people they're all moving within real time and space as characters in this in this story I don't know just yeah, helpful to remind mm-hmm. myself of that. Yeah, it it stands out to me um, the significance of God's words. That God is a speaking God, mm. and that the people of God have always been people of the book because mm. God has given that book. So you know, early on it mentions verse four, Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Like, why do we have written communication from God? because God has spoken and he's commanded that that be written down as a memorial. You know, Greg made that point, <coughs> putting things in writing is significance. One yeah. thing just to say it out loud is one thing to think it in your mind, but when you put things in writing, it, it does formalize that in a way. Um, so you've got that statement in verse four. And then later on, when God says to Moses, come up to me on the mountain that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandments, which I have written for mm. their instruction. Those stone tablets written by the very finger of God, um, just that God speaks and God writes. And so yeah, we still, to this day, remain people of the book. We, we have God's very words to us. And, and that is a significant part of our relationship to God. To be in covenant with God is to have communication from him, um, his commands, his warnings, his promises, mm-hmm. yeah. to be people who take God at his yeah. very word. You, you can't be the people of God without taking God at his word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, faith. And I think it's good to realize here too, that Moses in a sense is mediating uh, this mm-hmm. moment. So he's reading the book of the covenant to them. He's the one who says, we're going to go up. You stay here, um, stay here and worship. And so for Moses to do that, um, symbolizing that we need um, this mediation between us and God, um, but then God would come down, you know, setting the standards for here's how I'm going to come. Here's what you should build. Yeah. Um, I see, I think we see that movement from God is a holy God. The people understanding that, but then you have this mediation between, um, God and the people through Moses. Mm. And then God's going to finally come and dwell with his people mm. um, yeah. in the tent of meeting in the tabernacle temple, so on. Yeah. Yes. And then verse eight, uh, where Moses took took the blood and threw it on the people and said, "Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you, in accordance with all these words." Mm. So, really highlighting not only is he he is a word indeed, mm. God. He, he not only speaks and writes, which is a marvelous in and of itself. He communicates to us and communicates us to in, in such a way that we're able to remember it. Mm. Um, we're able to know it. It doesn't 
when I open my Bible, it doesn't change every morning. Yeah. It doesn't change depending on my mood, but it is objectively true outside of us. And that he doesn't only speak, but he does. Hmm. Um, And that Moses is now, as Mark, you were saying, he is mediating and effectuating, if you will, this covenant because of what God is doing and because what he has said. Hmm. So there's, he's, he's reminding the people I'm doing this because God said so, not because we're, this is just what we're going to do. Cause that'd be mm-hmm. a weird thing to do. <laughs> Throw blood on everybody. That would be a weird way to start this whole thing off, mm-hmm. but we're doing it because it's in accordance with God's words. So it just highlights the word deed nature of God, which, and again, and obviously Greg has, Greg hit this on his sermon too, but this whole covenant ceremony is all pointing to Christ. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is pointing to Christ, both, whether it's Moses as that mediator and the need right. for mediation, whether it's the blood spilled for us, mm-hmm. um, the he is the word indeed. He is the, mm-hmm. the logos, the spoken word, and also the actor in living word, the yeah. living word. So all of this is just bringing, uh, bringing into focus uh, for us the, the, the what Christ has done for us. Yeah. Um, why is it we don't, throw blood all over on our Sunday gatherings mm. because the blood's already been shed. Right. The, the blood of the eternal savior, not just the blood of bulls and goats, but mm-hmm. um, the blood of Christ, which is more precious than that of bulls and goats. Yeah. The moment when Moses, along with Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, the 70 elders, they go up together, they behold a, mm-hmm. a display of God's glory. Um, and that shocking line and he did not lay his hand on mm. the chief men of the people of Israel. <laughs> I think that's one of the big uh, surprises in the whole text that, that they have this uh, experience of the glory of God and they live yeah. to, to tell of it, which yeah. just confirms God has brought them in. Yeah. He has um, qualified them so that they're not dead. Yeah. They, they lived to tell of it. They beheld God and they ate and drank. And those words there, like having a meal, um, pointing to fellowship with God. So like you said, all of this pointing to Christ, we have a meal that we celebrate regularly. Hmm. That is a reminder of that blood that was shed for us. Yeah. Um, and his body that was given so to establish this, this new covenant. Hmm. Um, that's, we enter into something even better. Right. Mm. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me and I am the fount of living water. There's food and drink from him. Um, He is the feast. He is the thing that we gather around. You know, all communities gather around something, all families gather around some table Mm. and the table we gather around is, is Christ. He is the substance and the actual, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the, the effectuator of that gathering. I was just thinking of, you know, what do we do and or what happens when we behold something? Mm. Or in this case, you know, the people of Israel beholding God, um, you know, approaching God, being in his presence. I think often when we behold something, it's exceeding expectations. Like we should know when someone says, this is what it's going to be like. Like the Grand Canyon, this is what you're going to see when you go there. And mm. then you get there and people often have the experience of, this is far better than you ever explained it to me. Yeah. Um, so when we behold something, when you know the people here beheld God, um, though they should know, you know they've heard who God is like, they've experienced what God is like. 
how he acts towards them. But I think when you truly like behold, um, when the people beheld here, um, exceeds their expectations, surprises them. Um, and so, yeah, I think when we're called to behold God, whether it's in our Sunday gatherings or as we open up the word or as we pray together as a family or, um, group of church members together, I think when we behold God, we should often be expectant that we're going to experience God. Um, we're going to be surprised mm-hmm. by him and what he's going to reveal through his word, uh, through his people. Mm-hmm. So it's not a insignificant, oh, they just looked and they saw him, but they were surprised. They were amazed. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't ready for what they were going to experience. Yeah. yeah. I think it reminds me, you know, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. Those are experiential verbs that mm-hmm. not just to behold, which is one thing to, to just look at him, but then to experience it in a way that you described there, like different to read about the Grand Canyon textbook and then actually go yeah. there and behold. And then I, I, what stuck out also about the scene where they behold God that Greg pointed out that I, had, I guess I just hadn't even thought about that. That fellowship is only possible because of the covenant. Mm. And because of all the things that have taken place before, mm. they could only go up and behold God and him not put his hand on them yeah. because of the blood shed at the mountain, because of all the covenantal processes were in place. They were able to actually experience him because, and so it really does highlight yeah. the point and the goal of the covenant is that the people would just not only not be destroyed, but that they would get God himself yeah. Yeah. be in fellowship with exactly. God. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's this new creation language toward mm. the end that just the timing of it all that the cloud covered uh, Mount Sinai for six days and on the seventh day God calls to Moses so mm. you know evokes language of Genesis 1 mm-hmm. six days of creation on the seventh day God rested clear connection there I, I think pointing to the fact that God is doing a new work this is a, a creation week so to speak mm. and and God is commissioning his people as kind of a corporate Adam to be his people, to live in, in community with him. And so there, there's a sense of restoration as well of Hmm. um, the divide that sin made between God and man. God is overcoming all of that. And so again, if we read this the way we're supposed to, in that it's pointing to something even better than that, the new creation is, uh, accomplished, fulfilled in Christ Jesus, who is the firstborn of, of all creation, the, the firstborn from the dead. Um, so just an incredible scene of this covenant being consummated, Mm. coming together. How does, how should that affect us then? You know, it's one thing to one, just wrap our heads around, okay, what, what's going on here? Uh, Trips up and down the mountain, blood being sprinkled on the people helps to understand, okay, covenant ceremony is um, taking place that best way to understand that is like a marriage how should how should this affect us in our our thoughts and our feelings our responses mm-hmm. I, I just am, I mean there's a lot of text here that we've been just I mean the whole book of Exodus right is God acting to save his people uh, and acting to do something with their sin um, I think what it highlights for me, especially now that, you know, all that's taken place in order for now God to be reconciled in some, in, in a way with his people and make a way for him to dwell with them just highlights 
God's initiative, his action, his movement toward mm-hmm. us, that Israel would have just stayed in Egypt had not gone, God gone and got them um, and taken them out. And it just highlights in my head of like, God has dealt with my sin mm-hmm. and has acted to free me from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that now, I'm reconciled to him. And just I think just the, what it does for the day to day is just how I treat others or if somebody's sinned against me or if I've sinned against somebody, there's the, there is some, we can do something about that mm-hmm. sin. There, there is, it's not just to linger and let time heal, but we can actually confess that sin to one another and then be reconciled and then forgive one another. We're commanded to forgive one another and then be reconciled to one another. Um, and that's the beauty of the gospel is it really, we are not to treat each other and our, each other's sins the way that, we, we are to treat each other's sins against us the way that God has treated them, mm. which is dealt with them yeah. um, and taken them and cast them in the sea. Uh, so that, I guess just the way that that reconciliation process just highlights God took pain in the painstaking details, um, sought to act to get rid of these people's sins. Mm-hmm. And then how much fuller is now ours in Christ who has acted in a finished accomplished way yeah. um so just rely like that song rely him rely on his precious blood don't fear your banishment from god for jesus sets you free mm-hmm. so now we are no we can actually draw near to god actually and now we can be near to one another yeah. because of this that's yeah excellent. i think i'm left and probably voiced this already but just amazement um marveling uh that this is all undeserved and gracious mm. um, on God's part that, you know, he would speak to Moses and say, come up, you know, um, I'm going to enact this covenant with you telling you that this is how I'm going to fulfill my promises to not only bring you to myself, but to bring you into the land um, to satisfy you, to not bring you into a barren place, you know, out of slavery into a place of waste or a wasteland, but, mm bring you to myself, bring you into the land. Here's how I'm going to do it. And they didn't deserve any of it other than the fact that God said, you are my people. I am your God. Um, so yeah, I just leave a text like this saying, (laughs) this isn't anything on, you know, the people's part for, um, what they did, but God is a gracious God. Um, and he's going to enact, or he's going to continue to play this out through the last chapters of Exodus. Yeah, that's good. I think a takeaway for me is the reality that uh, God objectively establishes his relationship with his people and that it's no different for us. And a big temptation that evangelical Christians can fall into is uh, a subjectivity where it's constantly kind of looking inward in an introspective way. Like, am I really meaning it? Mm. Am Am I doing it right? Am I really believing enough and and so then your assurance of forgiveness and your justified status and your right relationship with God can really go up and down depending on your mood and Mm. inward looking you know am am I am I doing it right or not Mm. whereas this is all pointing to the objectivity like God has spoken and it was written down and it was established by the blood of a substitute Mm. ratified with blood um, commemorated with 
a meal, mm-hmm. fellowship with God to celebrate and an experience of the glory of God and all of that. So that just like a marriage covenant on your best days and your worst That's days right. for richer, or for poor in sickness and in health, like th- there's something objective about that, that if you're married, um, you're going to have good days and bad days. You're going to go through good seasons and really difficult seasons. And, but there's something objective about that. You're not looking inward. Like, well, do I feel married or you're never not in love, right? You're not falling in and out of that. It was objectively established. This covenant was, Hmm. was, was begun and, and you're in covenant. And I just think to, to think covenantally about the new covenant that God has established by the blood of Jesus. That is how God relates to us. And it's all outside of us. It has nothing to do with our feelings. And so all of our faith then can rest in that's good. That security. Jesus shed his blood. God spoke and he made promises to me and they're recorded for me in his word. So Mm, as simple as it sounds, as childish as it sounds to say, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. That's it. Yeah. That, That's all you need. We don't have to complicate it any more than that. Like, how mm. do you know God loves you? Because you can say, well, I don't really feel loved by God or don't feel like God is near to me. Well, what does the Bible say? What is the, the book of the covenant? Mm. God mm. has made promises and he has guaranteed them by the blood of his son. And he gives you a meal regularly <laughs> to fellowship and, and commune mm. with him. So that you actually have this experience. Uh, you can taste it and partake of it and uh, and be assured this is for you, my body, my blood for you. I, I just think the effect of that for me is this security mm. in the objective reality of, of that covenant that God has established. So it's grateful for that, that, that God gave us the old Testament, old covenant pointing to yeah. the new. So we could understand that even better. That's right. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you guys. Mm. What a rich mm. text.